Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Sunday Puncher Podcast. Uh, I got here with me Lex. Lex, say hello. What's good? And I'm Angelo. I'm your host. Uh, not the weekend we thought we were going to have. I don't know if you uh, were aware, Lex, but there was supposed to be a big time women's card with Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall topping the bill. And uh, that got postponed. Yeah, no, I was aware. I was looking forward to it. I mean, it was, it was you know, not the most eventful boxing week. So I thought that would have been cool to watch. But, you know, the queen threw a wrench in that plan. <laughs> yeah, one way to put it. Um, yeah, the passing of the queen of the UK. And so they canceled up everything. Everything got postponed. And so, yeah, that has been moved to, I believe it's October 15th, which now it leaves us with very little to talk about, unless we want to talk about Jake Paul, who signed to fight Anderson Silva. It looks like he's got his next opponent. Did you watch that Nate Diaz fight? Yo, I tried and I kept falling asleep, man. We, we got some listeners out there that like, occasionally will send me messages saying like, you know, why don't you guys talk about UFC? Like just, you know, I want to hear your take and I just want to throw out there. You do not want to hear our takes unless you just want to hear casual stuff. Cause well, actually, I don't know, Lex, maybe you fancy yourself to be more of a UFC fan than me, but I, my takes are very casual. I did not enjoy that fight. Um, but it is cool. I guess that Nate Diaz kind of got the last laugh with the UFC. He's now a free agent and presumably will be Jake Paul's next opponent. Um, there was a, I guess we would call it a TikTok YouTube card. Mm, the one that Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson were on. The headliner was Austin McBroom fighting a guy who Jake Paul knocked out named uh, Gib. And he's son Gib. Yo, if you did not see clips from that fight, so I watched most of the UFC card. I watched most of this card. And I will say that the best fight of the weekend was the main event, the Austin McBroom and Gibb fight. That fight was equal parts like entertaining in terms of like there was a good amount of like exchange happening, but also funny in the way these guys were getting hit with shots as like essentially amateurs. If you didn't watch it, go to my timeline and you'll see clips that I posted. This dude, Austin McBroom, looked like the better athlete, looked like the guy who was far more versed in boxing, wound up getting dropped five times and ultimately slept by uh, Gibb. But apart from that, there wasn't really any boxing on this weekend, which kind of leaves us with a little bit of a blank area here of what we're supposed to talk about. Because usually we recap the week. Uh, and thanks to uh, the queen, we do not have anything. But that brings us to, did you see what Andy Ruiz posted on his social media accounts today? I did. Tell everyone what he posted. He posted a picture of himself sharing the ring with the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder. I got to ask this question first. Is it possible that with Deontay Wilder, you know, it's crazy. Deontay Wilder loses to Tyson Fury, you know, loses pretty badly. He had some moments in that third fight, and it was a great fight to watch, no doubt about it. But 
ultimately the way he went out, he went out in a way that like typically we would say, okay, guy got knocked out. It's severely hampered his standing in the sport. You really can't see him fighting other top guys because you just look at it. And it's like, well, we got to see him get a couple W's before we we're ready to uh, throw him back in there. I feel like Deontay has avoided all of that. Anthony Joshua, everyone's like, sign me up. Alexander Rusick, <laughs> sign me up. Andy Ruiz, who just looked pretty solid against Luis Ortiz, sign me up. But with all these options available, and they're probably going to be highly lucrative for Deontay Wilder, the question is, do you think it's possible that Deontay is gonna can go into this fight with Robert Hellenius and overlook him. Nah, he's not gonna overlook Hellenius. I mean, they sparred a whole bunch, and I definitely think Deontay understands like what, like what it means not only for him to win, but just like the optics of it. Like if he lost to Hellenius, it, it would just be like Fury got like the last laugh and like just like broke the toy permanently. And I, I don't see Deontay as someone who would want to like want that on his like head. The real question though is like what and I've talked about this before, but like what is Malik Scott? What what's the what does Wilder look like being trained by Malik Scott? The the third Fury fight I don't really count because it was just such a dog fight that like the skill we didn't get to see it. Now this this next fight we'll see. I don't know. I, I I feel like wait wait real quick real quick real quick. So you did this long intro. <laughs> I would thought you were joking initially, but you didn't mention Canelo, and maybe we're getting there. But was that on purpose or? <laughs> uh, as calculated as I may seem, sometimes that was not on purpose. So actually, no, it wasn't purpose, but not for the reason you're thinking. I didn't purposely do it. It's just previews usually go at the back end of our podcast. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Start with uh, the previews is if it's like a a preview centric podcast. But I feel like we've kind of overlooked news uh, as of late on the podcast. And so I figured we have a lot of space with no recap time. We'll talk some news. Okay, fair enough. Is that okay with you? You, you, Or or should I allow you to keep producing this podcast? No, no, no. I just I thought I missed the punchline or something like that. No, no, no. There's no punchline. So, all right. Getting back to Wilder, he's definitely not overlooking Hellenius. He even said it himself. He's like, this is going to be a tough fight. The robber's got the warrior spirit. Like, Deontay usually doesn't say that if he doesn't truly believe it. So. Of Deontay's opponents, like, who didn't have the warrior spirit? I feel like there's only one guy that didn't have it. Who? There's Bermain Stavern in the rematch. He definitely showed up for a check a little bit. I agree with that. I mean, dudes come prime, but like, dudes come ready for action against Deontay. It's a big opportunity. Like, like writers and like weirdo UK fans can try to kind of like write Deontay out of the picture. But the truth is, at the moment, he's almost poised better than anyone in the heavyweight division. And maybe that's like slightly biased of me to say, but like, he has the Ruiz fight really close. He's the WBC number one. So if he gets through Ruiz and Hellenius, he got Fury if he wants him. No one really understands if Fury and Usyk can fight. And from the sound of, <clears throat> from the of it, Usyk would only want to fight Wilder 
if not Fury. So like, and Joshua, Joshua and Hearn are talking about they want Wilder. So it's like everyone is still kind of like, I don't want to say in line for Wilder, but like, how much do you think that maybe Deontay is a little vulnerable, or at least has the appearance of being vulnerable at this juncture, while at the same time bringing in the biggest payday for most of these guys? It's such a weird question. We're not going to know until the night of the fight. Like this, after a fight like Fury Three, there's going to be so many questions. Like, like what's the, what's the punch resistance like? What's the training thing with Malik like? What are his hunger levels like? Like, is he still like, like, I want to kill someone, Deontay. I'm not. I'm picking him to beat Hellenius in in under four rounds. Like the fight would be over by the fourth round. Yeah, I'm, I'd be a hundred percent confident in saying that. This new guy, I don't know. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. And then there, you got to also factor in like Hellenius is big, you know. They're, they're, nah, but no, 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 no. Big, it doesn't matter. I want to kill someone, Deontay. The, the only, I mean, like, I'm, doesn't matter. They like six foot, not Fury. Fury almost went down. You know what I'm saying? Like well, anyone, he, he just didn't stay down. But I mean, like, what I mean by that is like this new Deontay. Like things to consider here that don't just make this like a wash for Deontay. Is that Hellenius is big? Like he may fuck around and accidentally hit Deontay and knock him out with a shot that he did not expect that was going to, or didn't even intend to uh, solve the knockout. Um, and it just happens because it's like, well, you're six foot nine, like you know that that kind of happens when you're that big. Um, but yeah, I think that, that that fight is compelling to me just to see where Deontay is, and like I mean, I think everybody is hoping. Certainly, all the parties mentioned that that you mentioned are hoping that we do get that Deontay Wilder that not just wins the fight, but like brings back that fear of his right hand that has kind of like stocks gone down a little bit in the post Fury trilogy. I think uh, boxing boxing needs it, man. Like the more compelling storylines the sport has, the better. A hilarious. Ruiz, like face off eliminator. That's like that. That's not gonna get the streets buzzing. Like Wilder oh, being back in the mix is is like that's heavy. It's it's weird because it kind of reminds me of movies. Like the the <clears throat> like there are great movies where the whole movie is the good guy fighting and clawing his way back to get to the summit to have that like showdown. And I feel like you have Deontay chasing that. Ruiz is on the path chasing it. Josh was about to be on that path. And I don't think these guys have lost enough that people aren't interested in that journey anymore. I think if any of them has lost more than the others, it's probably Joshua. But I think Ruiz gives both these dudes, you know, there's a certainly an argument for Ruiz where it's like Joshua and Wilder lost to guys who are good. And you could definitely chalk it up to saying like, nah, they, they fought guys that can fight. In Ruiz's case, it's like, well, he didn't give himself a chance to win when he lost. So that, you know, but but I, I feel like maybe that take is like only for the hardcores and most people really want to see what happens if these guys can not only just get back to the top of the mountain, but once they start mixing it up. Um, I think you, you brought up a pretty interesting point that Usyk... 
if not for Fury, I think the like the best option for him is Wilder. Uh, the, you know, I guess Joe Joyce is out there, and I do want to see Joe Joyce get a, get a shot at some point. But uh, I don't, I don't know. I think Joe Joyce. I don't know. I, I don't think he's as attractive as an option as obviously any of the three guys that we mentioned, you know, the guys with losses in the heavyweight division. Uh, let, let's move on to uh, the next bit of news here. I don't know if you saw this today. Probably you did. Your boy Lomachenko got his next fight announced. I think we knew that this was happening, but we got the official announcement that he'll be fighting Jamel Herring Conqueror, Jermaine Ortiz. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I feel like this one is kind of weird because I, I saw some some discussion that Jermaine Ortiz is going to be a much tougher fight for Lomachenko than than he realizes or people are giving him credit for or whatever the case may be. And I'm curious if you agree with that take that you think Jermaine Ortiz is going to be a tough challenge for Lomachenko. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with his game, his fight style, and what he does good and bad. But, you know, at the end of the day, Lomachenko is one of top ranked favorite fighters. I don't think they're they're trying to put him in position to lose before he's fighting the Shakur or Devin. So I, I don't put very much stock in Ortiz being like this huge challenge or something like that. Unless, you know, unless Lomachenko comes back and he's like fat and like not locked in but i don't i don't see that either i think there's two things uh to really focus on here um jermaine ortiz up till like last year was out here on the indie circuit fighting on showbox and that is to say that he had no major promoter no one was truly backing him and typically you know, when you look at that guys in that situation in 2022 with, you know, PBC having a lot of televised slots to fill, top rank in the same position, uh, the people that have deals with the zone are also in the same position. Those guys uh, are guys that are flying under the radar for, you know, the way I see it. And there's usually a good reason why. You know, you have a guy like Janelson Boca Chica who fought this past weekend on Showbox and got beat. And um, that's a guy that's flying under the radar. And he had one fight where he looked pretty interesting. But lo and behold, he fights somebody who's a little better and he he loses. And Jermaine Ortiz was on this path as well. And like beating that version of Jamel Herring after a couple of, uh, well, I think one, I don't think this other one was on Showbox. But he had one pretty flat performance on Showbox where, I mean, he looked good enough to win, but I didn't think that he looked special. It's hard for me to, it's hard for me to imagine that he's going to come out here and um, g- going to be able to compete with an elite fighter. And assuming that Lomachenko is not completely shot, and I really don't think that that is the case. Um. I don't see how this guy gives Lomachenko much trouble. And even from watching him fight, like he's, he's decent. I like what I've seen, but just because I like it, doesn't mean I'm going to sit here and say, well, yeah, I, I think this is a dangerous fight for Lomachenko. I don't think he's got the power. 
I don't think he's going to be able to match Lomachenko's foot speed, his hand speed. Uh, and how does he deal with the guy who's got like some defensive skills? We saw him fight uh, Joseph Adorno and was not able to figure that out quite. Uh, or yeah, because he they drew in that fight. And I, I just don't see it. I, I think Lomachenko is going to probably have either a one-sided victory here or he'll get a stoppage at some point. And we all go back to saying Lomachenko, oh my God, pound for pound, he's a god. But I mean, which is a whole other conversation, but I, I just don't see it in this fight. But for what it is, Lomachenko in, in a comeback fight after almost a year out of the ring, at having fought, I don't know, I've, I've heard conflicting stories on what it was that Lomachenko was actually doing on the Ukraine-Russia front. But... um just to knock the cobwebs out. I think this is a solid matchup. I think it's a, it's an easy like layup for top rank because it's like, oh, we have this young undefeated fighter who beat a name fighter. Uh, yeah, throw his ass in there with Lomachenko. But I think you're right. Ultimately, like if you look at, at it from like the promotional standpoint, very likely they're not really going to push Lomachenko too hard until they can put him in there with Shakur Stevenson. Or Devin. Devin going to have to sign a, a, an extension in order to get that fight. I'm just saying right now. It sounds about right. I'm sure he'll sign it. Uh, did you see this? I woke up to this this morning. This ridiculous, but also very funny quote from Chris Eubank Sr., who is basically pulling Eubank Jr. out of the fight with Connor Ben. For those out of the loop, uh, Chris Eubank Jr. has fought as high as 168 and has been campaigning between 160 and 168 for a while. And Conor Ben is a welterweight. And they've met it, they've agreed to fight at a catch weight at 157. And then Eubank Sr. comes out and effectively is pulling his son out of the fight because he does not think it's healthy for him to fight at 157. Do you think, like, where I don't even know how to ask this question because this almost seems like a jerk or a joke, but um, is 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 Chris Eubank Senior out of pocket for uh, pulling his fully grown adult son out of a fight? Like initially, I thought it was pretty ridiculous, but I I read the quote a little bit deeper, and he said he didn't want to lose his his son, uh, another child. And you kind of got to respect that because, like, you know, a father shouldn't have to watch their son die or whatever. So, I mean, I respected it, but I I, I was pretty skeptical when I saw it. I didn't think it was really going to not. I didn't really think he was going to get pulled out. And sure enough, it seems like the fight is still on. So uh, the article says that it's most likely still going to happen and all that stuff. But um, I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely like, you know, I'm not going to speak on his own fears, like, you know, that's his, that's his father. Um, but at the same time, why did they sign the contract then? Like, did, did Eubank Jr. do this all without his father being aware? I don't think that they have that kind of relationship where Chris Eubank, uh, well, Jr. is doing things that his dad isn't aware of. Like, they, he seems to have, like, that, that Kendall Roy relationship with his dad, I don't I don't know that um this is just 
barely dawning on them that there's like an actual danger in, in junior dropping those pounds that could be pretty critical. Cause I always felt like, uh, you know, when he was at 168, he looked great and like really comfortable at that weight class. It's kind of shocking to me that he would even that he went back down to 160 and now is agreeing to go even lower. I do think that um, 160 is probably his natural weight class and 157. I don't know. But then also the other part is like, is this an admission that you think that your son is like going to get like punched a lot? Because that would probably be like the only way that some tragic thing were to happen is if he got himself into like a firefight where he was sustaining loads of damage from uh, Connor Ben. I don't know if anybody's like watched Connor Ben, but like I really don't see like that as like a true possibility uh, in this fight, especially when he's moving up and fighting a guy who's like really fast, athletic, and strong in like a Chris Eubank Jr. So I don't know. I, I don't really want to make a judgment on Eubank Sr., but it does seem really weird. But then again, it's Chris Eubank. Like that dude says weird stuff. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, the whole that whole camp has a lot of weird stuff going on. So I'd say nothing would surprise me, but I do still expect the fight to happen. Um, I saw something that I thought was kind of crazy. Um, let me read this quote to you. This is from a, a fight height interview. Okay. Uh, with Juan De Leon, the one thing that he has that nobody can take away from him is the power. Another thing is he's a smart kid. He showed me that. I believe if they take blank, nice and easy for the next two, three, four fights, I think he can become a world champion. I think he can become champion at 168, 75, and cruiserweight because he has the height. Who is Mr. DeLeon talking about? At first, you were talking about power, so I was thinking about it was Wilder, but it's definitely not Wilder. Um, like I want to say Tanker Ryan, but I'm not 100% confident. So you think that uh, a trainer believes that Tanker Ryan can win champion belts at 168, 175 in cruiserweight because of their height? Like maybe Ryan stretching it. Oh, no, that's uh, too much. That's too much. That's too much. Three. Oh no! I did. Re- I know who this is. This is Berlanga. I'm tripping. Is this not the craziest quote you've seen in a while? I remember reading it. I'm like, I don't think Berlanga will get a championship at one his right the division he's at now. Like, why are they focused on like moving up? Well, I mean, this is his new trainer who's talking. Uh, I guess Berlanga's left uh, Andre Rozier, but um, three or he thinks that. If that they need two to four fights before he's going to become a world champion at 168. Now, I'm assuming that he thinks that in this time span of one or two fights, David Benavidez moves up, Canelo moves up, uh, David Morrell moves up, Caleb Plant moves up, Anthony Durrell moves up. Like, we're, there's a long list of guys that got to move up before Edgar Belonga is going to be in line to win a world title. I'll tell you that much right here. He does have power, I guess. But we've seen that the power just doesn't quite look as dangerous as the the opponents have gotten a bit better. But I was like, wait a second, cruiserweight? He already struggling at 168. Like adding 30 more pounds here doesn't seem like it's going to be the solution. The fact that he's a new trainer talking like that is like, 
a terrible sign. Are like you, you don't need to go out here and gas up your new guy and make up some shit that's like completely false. Are you getting like a Kell Brooks trainer from Instagram vibes? <laughs> Basically, it's like who the hell like cruiserweight? Like, yo, this dude got knocked down in sparring by Erickson Lubin, and they were probably wearing like sparring gloves. Like, give me a break. I feel like I, I know I like Berlanga a lot more than most of you guys. And at a minimum, I I understood the gimmick that they were going with him, and I really like I liked it, and I thought it was working. And so, but at the same time, like I know he he's not great, and there are a lot of holes there that are like clear. That I feel like he was robbed of like ever fixing because like he just kept getting the same level of opponent. At this point, it's going to take a lot longer than four fights for this dude because he essentially like missed out on two years of development because they were trying to fast track him and also keep that knockout uh, in the first round streak going. And it really robbed this dude of like developing other elements of his game that it may be too late to fix those habits. So I don't know. They might've like, they might've screwed over Berlanga for that streak, which in the end was not worth it whatsoever. You try to get too gimmicky, it backfires. Um, all right. So now coming up this week, we have a pay-per-view $85 to zone pay-per-view. And that'll be between Canelo and Golovkin for the third time. I think the big talking point I see on Twitter amongst people that are actually discussing this is whether or not there's any buzz for the event. Where do you stand? There's no buzz for this fight. Not even a little bit? There's no buzz for this fight. It's it's the worst combination of things. Like, Canelo's coming off a loss. It's a fight no one really asked for on a platform that has no reach. And even what little reach they have, they haven't really prove, proved that they can successfully execute, like, a good promotion like HBO say what you want about the announcers or the product or whatever, but like their 24 seven was great content. Showtime obviously does great with all access. Um, Triple G on the other hand, I mean, this guy's been off of television for four years and he's looked bad in pretty much all his fights since he's been off television. So I don't even think, people are aware of like is triple g coming out of retirement like what the hell is going on i mean i i i envision a scenario where this fight does worse than the bivol fight to be honest and and from a gate and pay-per-view perspective only like the buzz is there's there's no buzz period i don't know i just don't know from the people that i talk to uh, nobody's like talking about it with me no one's asking my opinion um and i and i get dms from time to time from either listeners or or whatever who ask me like oh well what do you think about this and i haven't gotten any of those thus far but i wonder if that's anecdotal evidence like is the fight registering with people who aren't necessarily in the boxing bubble that's what i want to know 
It's not. I mean, like, there's no there's no first take or undisputed segments on Triple G Canelo 3. Like, there's just no organic buzz. When there's big fights, there's o- organic buzz. Arrow versus Bud, which isn't signed, gets segments on first take and undisputed. While the Fury segments on undisputed. Tank versus Ryan. They may not get a segment, but you'll hear Stephen A. Smith talk about it. This No one's talking about this fight. There's just... You know, ultimately, like, I think that Eddie Hearn thinks that the U.S. market is like the U.K. market where you could just take a Joshua kind of like dog and pony him around and it just works. And I think that the zone executives thought Triple G versus Canelo 3 was their Floyd versus Pacquiao. And you could just put it together and it works. But both are that it's just the wrong approach, the wrong idea. Um and the timing is just bad. I mean, like the NFL season starting to kick off. People are pumped about their fantasy teams. It's it's just like it's very poor timing and poorly executed. I mean, I don't really track ticket sales. That's like a Fred Garvin thing. But supposedly the ticket sales are really bad. I, I mean, it's, it's it's on pace to be pretty disastrous. I'm pretty sure. Well, I, I feel like. Um... As a boxing fan, I'm not this type of fan, but I do think um, there's a large subsection of boxing fans who want to punish certain uh, promoters or whatever when fights don't happen at the time that they want them to happen. And like this fight being a disaster would certainly be uh, one of those fights where if you're one of those like let's let's show them with our pocket uh this is one of those that you do it with because the trilogy should have happened like the 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 trilogy was viable like what four years ago Mm -hmm. when you had the drama of the the second fight which was a great fight um i can't actually i can't remember if i liked the first one or the second one more i think i might have liked the second one but i don't remember but um you had the drama where you got the conclusive decision where Canelo gets a decision and there was still a large section of fans that believed that that was the wrong decision and um which is fair you know think what you want but the time for the rematch should have been immediately after or within about a year of that whether they go both go in their own direction you know for their next fight before reconvening that did not happen and so they continue to wait and wait and wait in order to pull this fight out and then ultimately they've done it and it looks like they're seeing the they're paying the price for it where they're paying because this is something that you got to realize is like the fight is getting 2018 prices with inflation so they're paying this like we're in the wake of the fire that fans had for the fight after the decision was announced. Plus, you know, Canelo's pay has obviously gone up in that time, as is Golovkin's. So you're now paying that premium for a fight that what we're seeing thus far, I think, is that it probably isn't burning quite that uh, bright. And now whether... F- fans i don't think that this is i don't know if this is happening but either just fatigued which i think is potentially um 
I think that's potentially what's happening here is like fans are just like, I'm not really that interested in this. Or they're just straight out like, I don't care, whatever. Maybe less likely. Uh, but that's kind of what I see happening on the timeline here where we're not seeing that much discussion on it. Now, I, I don't, I won't say that there's no buzz. I don't think there's a big buzz around this fight. I don't see a ton of discussion happening. And I think that in large part, I mean, well, there's like just a lot of factors going in. But I think at this point, it's like we've had so long to talk about these two guys fighting. And the arguments have happened ad nauseum at this point. You really don't got to spend that much. Like, I, I, I don't know. I get really tired of certain conversations. Like, I don't want to talk about Spence and Crawford at all. Don't ask me about it. Other than, is it done? But don't ask me about that fight. Like, I, I just don't want to talk about it no more. Is it possible that that's kind of what's going on here? I don't know. Like, there's fatigue, but then on fight night, people will show out. The one argument against that. I just don't think people care, man. Like, you, you like... Again, it's like Canelo, Canelo lost dog and pony status. His dog and pony status gradually decreased over the course of his dealings with the zone. And now it's at, it's like at an all time low. You, you, you're coming off a loss. Your opponent doesn't speak English. Like there's, there's nothing. And he's 40. I, I didn't even even put that in there. He's 40 years old and hasn't looked good in a couple years. Like, there's nothing compelling or interesting really about this matchup. Everyone thinks Canelo's just going to sweep Triple G. Like w- w- the the undercard isn't really like there's no like hype matchups on the undercard or like hype like like if they put like Ryan Garcia on the undercard or something that'd be kind of neat. But like there isn't that. There's just not. There's no meat here. There's nothing. Like there's no there's no reason to be excited about this. It's not exciting. Uh yeah. my, my main concern is this to be honest because like. I know that there's no buzz and I know that like, it's not going to do well. My bigger issue is like, if you gave control of Sunday puncher to like Heyman's planet and he ran the brand into the ground, I'm pretty sure there'd come a point where he'd be like, all right, I'm changing all the passwords. I'm I'm taking control of my shit again. Like I'm disappointed in Canelo that like, I don't know how does he not see what's going on? Like there's, they're they're totally ruining his brand, and they're they're giving him really bad matchmaking. First of all, he ruined it himself by losing. So let's throw that out there. But, but like you can, lo- but like all right. For, first of all, he shouldn't have been in the ring with Bivol to begin with. Like him going back to Hearn to fight Bivol was stupid the whole time. Even if he had won, for anyone who doubts me, look at Oscar De La Hoya and Felix Sturm. De La Hoya beat Sturm. It was a robbery. Does anyone talk about? De La Hoya and Sturm? No, no one gives a shit because Sturm is a random, unknown European fighter, just like Bivol. So win or lose, it was a dumb idea. Fast forward to now, and it's like, okay, yeah, you're getting paid. You're getting paid less than what you'd be getting paid with PBC, but also your brand is trash now. Like all the promotional material sucks. There's no commercials being run. There's no episodic content. It's just nothing. And it's it's very disappointing. Like, I I'd like to say that if Canelo wants to continue with Hearn after this fight, my main assumption will have to be that Canelo really does not care to like make his fans happy or make anyone happy. Really, as long as he's getting paid, I, I don't think 
he cares to like do special things. Well, I think that he, he's there. He signed a long term, well, not long term, but a short term deal. So like that, he he's gonna be with him either way. But um, I just looked at the ticket sales and like the, it's really weird trying to find tickets for this thing. I don't know what is going on here. There's like these offers that I have to click on, but um, yeah, I I don't I don't I don't know. I think like a, a large part of this is that. I think maybe they thought that this fight, like they didn't have to do as much promotion for the fight because it should have sold itself. And what they're realizing is like, oh, this isn't Mayweather Pacquiao, like, or or even Canelo Golovkin won, where like the fight basically sold itself. Uh, the the public has moved on, and I think um, you know Canelo losing is is pretty that's that's not conducive to this dude um, being the same draw that he used to be. So, oh God, the, the way they've got the tickets set up here. I have uh, this. I'm not saying I'm not gonna reflect on whether they're good or bad. Although, oh jeez. Again, I'm not gonna reflect on whether these are good or bad. What I will say is, uh, these pricks um, made it very difficult to be able to see what tickets are available. But um, it'll be interesting to see though, because let's say it does do poorly where does the blame fall i think that is going to be the interesting question to have on sunday night but like in terms of the actual fight i saw a tweet earlier where this guy was like he basically was confidently saying that golovkin is going to win this fight and it's like people are overthinking it um do you think that golovkin has a chance if he's like juiced up on steroids maybe but if he comes if he comes into the ring clean, he's going to get brutally slept. I don't know if he gets brutally slept. I feel like Golovkin's like one of those guys that's probably not going to get slept ever in his career. Like you said with Lomachenko, I would say um, I don't think he'll get slept like that. I think, and this is a, like, um, I think I made this observation about Golovkin a really long time ago. And there are certain fighters that I think uh, this applies to. Certainly pre- accident arrow where these guys seem to find themselves in position that they do get hit. They're not unhittable, but the difference between these types of unhittable guy or hittable guys. And then someone like, I don't know, Omar Figueroa is that they, they essentially allow you to take pawns in the, in the fight, but know that when they, you hit them, they're braced for it. They understand that in the exchange, they may have to take one and they position themselves in a way that they can absorb the shot. It doesn't happen that frequently. You know, we haven't seen Errol in like back and forth, like, you know, Sergey Lipinets type of fights. Golovkin, we've seen him have a little bit of that. And in those fights, he hasn't looked great. You know, the Derevianchenko fight sticks out. But I, I feel like even if canelo is the canelo that we thought he was pre-bivol um i don't know that i see him sleeping golovkin unless golovkin is like totally shot or and i think this is also something to like factor in um moving up to 168 just does not agree with him at all and like i don't know if you saw him in the murata fight and even I, I, we really haven't seen Golovkin be in the shape that he used to be in in a while. 
is that possibly because he's like late thirties and the skin just ain't as tight as it used to be? Maybe, but Golovkin hasn't looked like he's been in like tip top shape. And like, I wonder if moving up to 168, how does that affect one, his conditioning, his whole body, his reflexes, carrying the extra weight around. Golovkin's a guy that we've seen in the past. Uh, one of his like, um, what is the word I'm looking for here? Like his trademarks is that super deep breath where he looks like exhausted. Uh, are we going to see that dude uh, make an appearance? Maybe. But that those are the scenarios in which I see Canelo then being able to get that KO in. But KO as in like, you know, like it's like a one hit and it's the fight gets stopped pretty soon after that. I don't know if we're talking like... Um, uh, you know, like if he like drops him a couple of times, that's not what I mean. I don't know, man. It's going to be <laughs> like it's an uphill battle, man, for the old fella. Wait, you, so you're all in on like Canelo's going to murk him. For sure, bro. He's four, Triple G's 40, yo. He's never fought at 68. It's just like. Yo, Manny Pacquiao beat Keith Thurman when he was 40. Yeah, and Manny Pacquiao probably wasn't clean and Keith was. <laughs> like. That, that's a whole other element that you like. We don't talk about it enough in general in the boxing world, but I'll be the one to talk about it. I believe Canelo uses whether or not you do what side of the, you know, it's bad or it's good side drawn, whatever. Uses I don't what? think Triple G uses. He looks pretty normal. He uses what? Just any peds. I don't think he uses any performance enhancers. He looks normal. He fatigues like an older fighter. His abilities have slowed down like an older fighter that doesn't have like infinity stamina and his size hasn't really increased. So there's like to my naked eye, there's no reason for me to believe that he uses. No, no, no. Obviously, one thing I give to Golovkin is uh, and I and I alluded to it earlier. I've mentioned it, but like when he's going through it, he you definitely get the sense that he's going through it. Like he's pretty expressive with like when he's feeling tired. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I honestly think like, you know, when this first fight, when they, when they first started to like seriously discuss that this fight was going to happen, um, the outcome that I saw most plausible was that Canelo's going to stop him. I just think, you know, I just thought this combination of like Canelo's young, he's unstoppable. He's the best pound for pound fighter in the world, blah, 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 blah. And cause of course this was pre bivol you factor in like, oh, Canelo doesn't like him and all this stuff. And then Golovkin being a 40-year-old guy who's going to have to move up for the first time in his career. Okay. Maybe I can see Canelo like stopping him. But like as as we get closer and I start, you know, especially seeing the Canelo that fought Bivol. One thing that Bivol did well that frustrated Canelo was jab him. Caleb Plant had success jabbing Canelo. Now, granted, where Caleb Plant's jab wasn't you know, it wasn't like a Jamal Charlo jab. So Canelo was able to eventually figure out a way to get in there. Golovkin had success against Canelo over the course of their two fights with the jab. And now I wonder if like that jab, even if it's 80% of what it was in those first two fights, I feel like that's enough to take Golovkin 12 rounds. Eh. Against a clean fighter, maybe. This this version of Canelo, like, okay, Bivol beat him, but he's still really dangerous, man. Like, 
Like, I feel like you would take Canelo to probably knock out most of the top guys at 68. So why should I not believe he can't knock out a 60-pounder? Uh, well, would you, would you take Canelo to knock out Jamal Charlo? Yes. No way. Yes. Jamal and Golovkin have shown to be pretty damn iron chinned. And when we've seen them bothered by punches, the recovery is usually very quick. Yeah, but you can't just be getting hit. Like, Jamal is iron chin, but the way Canelo is hitting. What if Canelo's in his head from the Bivol fight about the way he just A, like, you know, Canelo basically gave up in that fight. Like, you could tell, like, he was mentally defeated like midway through that fight towards the, or in the middle rounds toward like the, the later, the back half of the fight. What if he gets in his head a little bit and like, or he's in his head a little bit for the fight and is like, I cannot gas. I cannot, you know, have the fatigue setting in where it gets hard for me to make my adjustments and stuff like that. I don't know what, you know, that, then the fight becomes interesting. Now I'll agree with you. That's not very likely to happen, but it is a possibility. So we did a betting podcast last week. I or no, not last week, like a week and a half ago now or something, or maybe even two weeks ago. I don't know. But um, this is bring the betting over here. How are you gonna bet this? Let's say the listeners are counting on you to make money this weekend. Canelo stoppage before the eighth. No, I would just do outcome. Canelo by stoppage. Let's see. I'll look at the, the odds right now. Uh. Uh, let's see what the odds say. So Canelo's minus 600. That's, guys, you can't be expecting the trilogy fight to be popping out with some huge numbers when you got a fucking minus 600 line. I'm just saying. Was so Canelo by stoppage or DQ is plus 140. That's true. Was, uh, what was the line for Wilder Fury 3? I don't remember. Let me look at that. Deontay Wilder. Hmm. Who's on the undercard for that? Oh, it was a Jogba. Yeah, FA versus Frank Sanchez. Um, Kaunaki Hellenius. Yeah. I guess the line. Just what, what was Fury's line? Minus 450. Now, I. No. I'll give you another guess because that was a shitty guess. Was it? Well, minus like 800? No, no. You're not paying attention here. I told you that Canelo being minus 600 is, if you're minus 600, your trilogy probably not going to pop the way you think it is when, when one of the dudes is minus 600. Fury was minus 295. Oh, that's pretty close. Yeah, that's not bad at all. You basically, you like that wasn't even a value bet if you took Wilder money line 235. Like, I mean, it's like it's not bad, but it's not that great. That's crazy. I thought the line would have been bigger too. Uh, so the book has, in terms of like the most likely outcomes, Canelo decision, which is what I said. But Canelo KO isn't bad at all at plus 135. You're not gonna, you know, pay off your college or your student loans or well, actually. That that might be taken care of for you, uh, but um, that that's not paying off your medical bill. Hitting that one thirty five, you're looking for the Golovkin KO. I mean, if you 
If you really want to get crazy, yeah, that Golovkin KO plus 850. Golovkin decision plus 750. I mean, like these people, these Vegas knows what's up, basically. They do know what's up, but we need the like the fight props to come out, which are, they're not out yet. But like, um, did I tell you, uh, Bavada doesn't let you go back and like um, see past a month ago, but we made out like bandits on Fury White. There was a line that was like, I, I don't remember if it was like plus 300, plus 200, plus 400. It was something like that. It was, it was like great odds. And the odds or the line was Fury to land, Fury to win, Fury to land the most jabs, Fury to land the most punches. So it's like a little baby parlay. If those three things hit, you win. You know, it was like plus 400. We all slammed it because we were like, okay, first of all, there's no way dealing white out jabs Fury. Uh, this is very likely he's not going to land as many punches as Fury. And we knew Fury was winning that fight. Just want to just say, made quite a bit of money on that. And so I feel like in this fight, there may be some value in like uh, Canelo winning uh, and like... So so DraftKings has a fight, has fight props up. There's oh, one that sticks out to me. What is it? Golovkin to be knocked down. Yes. Minus one oh five, no minus one thirty. I'd get down on on yes. Hmm. I mean you basically you're almost getting your money back. Interesting. Um if Golovkin gets knocked down, do you think Canelo lets him survive? No. Because Golovkin to get knocked down was one minus one oh five, right? Yeah. So they think, yeah, they, so that's interesting because <clears throat> if he gets knocked down, um, he's likely to get knocked out. So if you parlay that with the KO, the, 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 the KO line is plus 135, the to be knocked down is minus 105. So I imagine the odds on the parlay would be probably something over plus 200. That's probably a great play right there. There you go. Just throw in a fight, not go the distance at like plus one twenty too. Man, you're cooking with fire now. Now you will pay off your 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 medical bills. I'm looking at some of these. When will the fight end? Round by round, that's dangerous. Definitely dangerous, unless you're dealing with the only time betting rounds make sense is if you're dealing with heavyweights. I feel like heavyweights when it's knockouts, there there tend to be especially like mismatch ones. It's usually KO one or two. So like FA Ajagwa's next fight, like round one or two is probably a good bet. If you're like one of these bold dudes with like, you know, wheelbarrow size nuts, then you go bet round <laughs> or something. But that ain't me. And I don't think that's Lex either. What a weird fight, man. I can't wait till like Sunday to just like see what the hell is going on with this thing. Part of me wants to get the chaotic outcome here. So, like, Golovkin winning puts Canelo on a two-fight losing streak. I think effectively erases almost all of Canelo's, like, elite aura. Uh, The Golovkin stands return in full force. And, uh, you know, they they can be a bit of a handful. I don't don't know if I want that outcome. Yeah, but so could Canelo fans. So, it's like it breaks even, to be honest. Well, I feel like Canelo's the type of fighter that he's got so many fans that like it doesn't really matter that much because they're always just going to be out here. 
I don't know. Like, part of me wants Canelo to win because, like, I want like Canelo Benavidez and Canelo Charlo. But on the other hand, like, for chaos sake, um, <laughs> Golovkin winning would be pretty, Canelo. pretty hysterical. Golovkin. Okay, if Golovkin knocks out Canelo, that's that's definitely one of those like I'm gonna laugh my head off type of outcome. No, Golovkin knocks out Canelo. We're doing immediate podcast reaction. If Golovkin wins, we're doing an immediate podcast reaction. Yeah. But I think, because we don't always do like the immediate reactions, but I think for sure Golovkin winning requires that because we, I mean, there's just so many questions then to ask about Canelo. But if Canelo wins, like a decision, you know, that, that that's to be expected. Even if he KOs Golovkin, like if the, the, the worst outcome for this fight, I think, is if one it doesn't do well like you know box office wise but like even throwing that aside even if it did the worst outcome is if Golovkin looks 40 years old and Canelo just smokes him that looks like like damn you guys just trotted out the remains of Gennady Golovkin just for Canelo to get this W because you thought it was going to save you that's sad Golovkin don't deserve to get sacrificed like that I guess. I mean, I don't know. Some of you may be like, no, I don't like Golovkin. Okay, fine. I don't know, man. I think it's going to be bad <laughs> no matter what. You think it's going to be bad? Yeah. Like, no one's going to watch it. No one's going. Canelo wins, and he's picking on a 40-year-old. Triple G wins, and everyone's going to be mad at Eddie Hearns for being an idiot. It's just there's, there's no winning here, uh, in my opinion. If Golovkin wins, we get a fourth. <laughs> that would be that. That is that's that's admirable to get a fourth. When's the last time we got a fourth? Nah, if, if Triple G wins, I don't know what Canelo's like. Road to redemption is looking rocky. I mean, you can't. You you'd have to like, bro. I don't know Golovkin where. Wins, I don't. It'd be one of a kind to be honest. Because how many? How many? Star, so-called faces of the sport tier fighters have lost back-to-back times. Like, what? And and not and not been like addicted to drugs or something like that. Like that's that's pretty rare. Uh, something on your mind? That's a weird uh, reference there. No, like I feel like Tyson has probably lost back-to-back, but he was like washed in on on coke. Like Canelo's in his physical peak. Like he shouldn't be losing back-to-back to guys. I mean, Bivol, whatever, but Triple G should be, he should be Triple G. Um, yeah, I, if Canelo loses to Golovkin, and as of right now, there's no official word on Spence Crawford, Canelo going to start trying to target one of them two dudes to come up from 147. That'd be horrible. Nah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Eddie takes Canelo to the UK to fight John Ryder recovery match well i think if he didn't rematch golovkin and <laughs> given how the bivol loss played out is possible that that rematch wouldn't happen i think Gal- canelo would need a tune-up to like get himself back get his mind right get himself back into the win column i really think that that would be the case yeah i mean ideally but he's talking he, he talks like he wants to fight bivol again he doesn't want to fight zerto he doesn't no, want to fight mexicans no, no. I and mean, i don't he he didn't say that. He said he'll see if he wanted to fight Bivol. 
he has no commitment to rematching Bivol. I mean, okay, so I don't know. Like, I don't know what Canelo <laughs> wants to do, man. Like, that's my main takeaway. Like, if Canelo wins and just goes through this shit again, like, I just, I have to say, I, I've, I'll lose respect for him as like a, because like when people rag on like, yo, can drop Canelo from pound for pound. He's not this. He's not. That. I don't agree. He's a revenue generator when when treated correctly. He's still a good fighter. He's still pound for pound. Like he he's being man. He's being guided by idiots right now. But if he continues to allow himself to be guided by idiots, I need to treat him the same way we treat Andrade, Tevin Farmer, Terrence Crawford at times. Like you can't, you can't let dummies run your show. No, no, and, no. And yet Canelo still gets paid. But like, yo, like that that doesn't compensate for what's really going on. Like what's really going on is their your brand is is in the drain, man. Uh, all right. So, just wrapping this up, um, I think we're both in agreement. Canelo is about to walk out of here victorious, but I'm leaning more towards decision, and you are leaning towards the KO. And um, we're both open to the possibility of Golovkin winning, uh, but probably not going to happen. Just a reminder, guys. This is on pay per view. You, I believe, you need a subscription to order the pay per view. Or like the way it works is like when you order it, if you order it, uh, you have to have the pay-per-view. If not, make sure you're in the Discord. Um, on the undercard, we have um, Bam Rodriguez. He will be, ah, God. I, I actually really, really hate this because they made a song and dance about this being a much better fight than it's actually going to be. There were rumored opponents that were very, very enticing. And then we wound up with uh, 28 and 4 Israel Gonzalez. Not great. I don't hate it, but, you know, in a vacuum, I don't mind this fight at all. But not when, um, you know, you posited much better opposition. And then there's Ali Akhmedov fighting Gabe Rosado. Bro, I just want to say, you can only hope to have the longevity of a Gaber's auto in your life with whatever you do. No matter what happens to Gabe, he still gets paid. Here's a real question. I why is Ali Akhmedala or whatever, why is he on a Canelo undercard? Like, the shit is just... Yo, Eddie Hearn is crazy, bro. Well, like, that's all I have to say. My guess here is the reason for that is Ali Akhmedov is probably promoted by Golovkin. I mean, maybe. I just, this this card is like, th like this card will need a case study of like how not to do a superstar's card. Okay, the whole thing is just. No, no, the card is not that great. Um, the whole, the, just, no, no, no. Just the whole thing is comically bad. Every element, like the gate, ticket sales, marketing, well, matchup. Timing. In their just, defense, I don't think they had a lot of money to work with, given the the purses of the main event. They they're out here feeding scraps to these dudes on the undercard, which is why it's more of like a prospect undercard. It's more of a prelim sort of style. I mean, Bam is uh, you know, is a name fighter, but he is also a super flyweight, and he is fighting a guy that no one's really watched before. And then uh, Ali Akhmedov is probably one of Golovkin's guys. They so got to throw him on the card. And then Austin or Amal Williams, Diego Pacheco, and Mark Castro are just like prospect level fights. 
So, and that's it. What a joke. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I saw Mark Castro at the um, Andy Ruiz fight. Did he bite you with those big ass veneers? <laughs> uh, I'll say that his box rec image does him zero favors. Yes, he does look like Elon Musk, but in person, he um, he he doesn't look as odd as his box rec picture does. I'll I'll say that. Hopefully, that's I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to give him a compliment here. But um, shout to him. Shout to him. It's all good. Pretty small guy. <laughs> he fights at 135, but you, if you told me he fought at 126, I would not be shocked whatsoever. He is a pretty small guy. Uh, so, I, you know, that's just one little tidbit, I guess, that pertains to this card. But anyway, that's it for today's episode. If you want more bunch of other wide-ranging topics, head over to our Patreon where we record regularly. Uh, we toss out different... Um, podcast we talked i i did a podcast talked a bit about that um youtube fight specifically or not about that fight but kind of like the ramifications of this youtube boxing phenomenon going on is is there an end in sight that's the question stuff like that on our patreon we just had a, a pretty we recorded one for today about kind of like the the connections between boxing tennis and and, and sort of like an over like a kind of like a high level conversation about athleticism amongst like a bunch of other things that I forgot what we talked about exactly, but that's all over at patreon.com slash Sunday puncher. If you like the podcast, leave us a rating five stars only. If you're not going to leave five stars, don't leave a rating. Instead, you should just probably hit up Lex on Twitter and call him names or whatever. <laughs> he, he could take it. Um, and even if you don't, you could also, you could always hit up Lex on Twitter. He likes it. Any, any other? Oh, hey, we also recounted uh, the drama in our. We have a chat. You know, when you join our Patreon, you get access to our chat, um, and uh, which is you know pretty popping most of the time, I guess. And uh, but there was a big uh, beef this weekend, which there tends to be once a week or not once a week, once a month or so. And so we recap that a little bit, and a bunch of other things. So thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed. We will be back next week maybe even sooner if there is uh, a surprising result or just a great fight on saturday night